Hello, and welcome to Not Your Mother's Housing Market, the podcast where we dissect and discuss emerging trends in today's real estate market because a 21st century market requires 21st century strategies. I'm Katie Keaton, your Southwest Washington realtor. And I'm LaDonna Page, your mortgage advisor and liabilities manager. And we're here. Yes. I was running out of breath on that intro today. Could you tell? <laughs> no, I actually, do a lot I of hand gestures when I'm running out of breath to like pointing. There's a lot of pointing. There's a lot of gesturing. To be I like, do a lot on. of hand gesturing in general, and so now I'm sitting here like with this mic touching my face practically, and I can't do hand gestures, so it kind of bothers me a little bit. So like, I'll just sit on my hands. Thanks. There you go. I understand that. I'm a I'm a gesture gal. Well, hello. We are back. Yes. So this is episode 20 yes. of Not Your Mother's Housing Market. It's episode two of season two. We're very excited. We actually just got here to the Paul Callet's Podcast Network a few minutes ago, and we were talking to them and um, just kind of going over where we've been with the podcast, and we're just so excited to be back. So hello, everybody. Yeah, um, it's nice to see that... The first episode of second, of, yeah, second season came in right with the rest of them. Like, yeah, everybody that was listening last year is back again this year, or we've swapped out a few, but whatever. Yes. It's, all, it's all the same. But we're happy to have you all. Yes. So with that, last week we talked about the fact that more houses are coming on the market. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, that just means that more people are deciding to sell their homes. So today we thought we would kind of dive into that and give all of our listeners who are homeowners and potentially thinking about jumping on that bandwagon of listing um, kind of a roadmap of where to go if they decide that that's for them. Yes. So we're going to break down some questions you should be asking yourself to decide if selling your house is right for you. And then if you think, yep, it is, it is the right time for me, then we'll give you some tips and just some things to think about as you go forward listing your house. Yes. But before we jump into that, I am going to play a word from our sponsors, a word from the Kellett's Podcast Network sponsors. So here you go. Taking care of your mental health is just as important as your physical health. At Columbia Wellness, we offer behavior health care for all ages. From telehealth counseling to inpatient addiction care, we offer the level of support your mind needs. Don't wait to enjoy life again. Give us a call at 360-423-0203. At Columbia Wellness, your wellness is our passion. And we are back. Hello. Hi, Katie. So like I mentioned, we are going to be laying out the roadmap for you for all of you potential sellers. Yes. So we want you guys to um, think about some questions. And the biggest question is, why do you want to sell your house? Yep. So, you know, as millennials in the housing market, (laughs) we're all familiar with FOMO. Yes. Which stands for? Fear of missing out. Yes. So, you know. FOMO can happen for a lot of things, you know. You're really tired, but someone's throwing a party that you really want to go to. FOMO. Right. You know, what's another good example? You're on a diet and somebody's eating a piece of cake. Oh, man, that's the worst. (laughs) Everybody's listing their house at what you think is the top of the housing market. FOMO. FOMO. So that's the focus today. Are you afraid of missing out on these high sales prices? And is that what is driving you to want to sell your house? That's the first question you need to ask yourself. Um, And really, why we want you to think about that is because... 
you might make a poor financial decision based on the fear of missing out on these high prices. Right. So where I come in to help people finance their homes and things like that, I always ask questions to help people decide, is this the right financial move for me? And how can I structure this in a way that is going to benefit me the best to meet my goals and my needs and my dreams? Um, So in looking at that, Obviously, one of the first questions you want to think about is, when did I buy my house? What price did I buy my house at? And what, um, you know, what kind of equity do I have right now? Mm -hmm. Because when you purchase a home in Washington State, you're not the one that pays all of the um, realtor fees. But when you sell, you are. Mm-hmm. So, Katie, what are those real t- realtor fees? So, we're going to talk about Generally. that a little bit further down. Oh, okay. So, we can talk <laughs> about that now, too. So, basically, what she's getting at is the fact that, you know, you might have purchased your house six months ago for three thirty, and now the house prices are saying that your house is worth, let's say, three eighty. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I have $50,000 worth of equity. If I sold my house right now, I would make a $50,000 profit. But that is not necessarily true. Right. That gets chunked down. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not true for several reasons. So LaDonna's right that you do have your closing costs. And as a seller, a majority of your closing costs are realtor fees, which can be, you know, in this area, typically between four and a half to six percent so you have your realtor fees which is a big chunk out of it but you also have um you know any other associated closing costs which aren't too much but something to think about and if you've haven't had your house for two years you're going to get a hit on your taxes as well yes so whatever you make you're going to have to pay capital gains on that which is i think honestly pretty close to 50 percent it's really bad, yeah. So at the end of the day, you might have $50,000, you know, in equity, but you could potentially walk away with 10000 Right. Katie, do you know why those laws were put into place, the excise tax, and why it's two years? No. No? All right. <laughs> Tell me. Uh, so those were put into place to prevent people from doing a ton of flipping um you know obviously there are like people make a career out of flipping homes but they bake that excise tax in generally um to what they want to get out of the home whereas generally when i move into a house it's assumed that i'm going to be there more than two years because i'm going to be living in this place as a stable human being and if i sell it in less than two years that looks a little suspicious a little fishy So those laws were put into place to prevent some of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, This is kind of off the subject of this podcast, but you and I actually were talking about other flip rules that are in place the other day. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like, you know, if you are thinking about getting into flips, this is just a tiny little side note for you guys. (laughs) Um, If you purchase a home at a low price and then flip it, there is a certain amount of time that you have to own that home before you can um, accept government-backed loans on that home. Yeah. So it's called the FHA flip rule. I'm dealing with it with one of my listings right now. Um, I dealt with it with another real estate agent uh, back in March. I think we closed it on that house. Mm -hmm. So it cuts down on the offers you can receive. So talk to a realtor before you make these types of decisions like we always say. 
Talk to a realtor, talk to a lender. Anyway, that's yes. that's besides the point. We'll do another <laughs> podcast on that another day. Let's do a flip podcast. I think that sounds marvelous. And I feel like we would both learn a lot on it, too. Probably. Let's do that. I okay. love the research that goes into these, by the way. Yes. Okay, we're doing a flip podcast, but... Okay, today, FOMO. Back. Yes, today, <laughs> FOMO. So, okay, you really need to ask yourself, when did you buy your house? How much did you purchase your house for? How much realistically are you going to be able to get your house for? How much equity you have? Really, is it the right financial decision? Or would you just be trading like for like? Like, would you right. be selling a home and then buying something right in the same price range? Are you making any moves or are you just moving laterally by selling your home? Right. So I actually had a conversation um, with a client recently about this kind of scenario where they have owned their house for I think close to seven years. Um, and the wife was nervous about doing this because she went, well, my house is worth, you know, we have, we have a mortgage or we got a mortgage originally for $350,000 and I don't want our payment to go up. And I said, okay, well, we can definitely structure this in a way. And she didn't realize that when she purchased her house for $350,000 seven years ago, it appreciated and now she's got all this equity that she could then just chunk together and in their case put down a larger than 20 percent down payment on it to maintain that monthly cash flow that they were looking for right so that's the whole point of the property letter is that you're making you know an upward move right or you know maybe you're downsizing and you're taking a step down the ladder but really you're you're using the home you have and the equity in the home to when you purchase your next one you have a big enough down payment that you can take a step forward right. so we don't want you to be taking lateral moves and when you're selling because of FOMO and you're not really thinking it through you might be making a lateral move Right. So that's when it comes in really important. Talk to a lender who is knowledgeable about it and who's going to give you a very honest opinion about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't make any money unless I close a loan, but I give free advice all day long. <laughs> um, and and honestly, like these are the conversations that I love having. So it's fine. Um, I'm here for it. But, um, you know, you want to find a lender that will give you a really honest opinion like me. Yes, like LaDonna. <laughs> and one last thing that I want to say when it comes to FOMO before we move on is that um, you kind of have to think about the fact that if you are selling high, you are also buying high. If you are selling low, you are also buying low. Yes. So there are pros and cons to both, and it needs to make sense for you. But um, just because, like, don't be so afraid of missing out on selling high, because that also comes along with buying high if you have to buy. Yeah. Which we will get down to that question here in a minute, but... Yeah, so the one last thing that I wanted to touch on this was the other side of that conversation that I had with that, those clients recently mm -hmm. was that, you know, their interest rate was going from threes to sixes. And, you know, I like, just made a face, sorry. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it was lovely. I just made a um, face. It's perfectly fine. I make tons of them. Um, but, you know, in 2020, the most common interest rate was 3.72. Um, which on a median house price of um, three seventy one in our market gave you a principal and interest payment of thirteen sixty nine. Um, today we're at six and a half percent, which on the same house would give you a principal and int interest payment of eighteen seventy six. So, but if you have 
two, three hundred thousand dollars in equity, you can make some big financial moves to move from a three hundred thousand dollar home to a five hundred thousand dollar home and still come in at that same monthly payment because you're just buying down your mortgage. Exactly. So, you know, those are things to think about when you're thinking about, you know, am I really just thinking about selling my house because I'm nervous that I'm going to miss this wave if I don't? Um, but, you know, that's not the case for everyone. So maybe right. you answered no to that question. Yeah. Maybe you have owned your home for more than two years. Maybe you do have a large amount of equity. Maybe it would be a situation where you could step up the property ladder. Um, but our next question is, are you thinking about selling your house just because you want to pull that equity out? Because there are other ways to pull equity out. So yes, Fladonna wants to speak to that a bit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously, sometimes you've got to get that equity out to do major renovations. Um, you know, some people want to take it out to go on a big trip. But you don't have to sell um, your house to take it out. But you do not have to sell your house to take that out. You can refinance or get a home equity line of credit or something along those lines. Um, it just depends. Again, talk to <laughs> give me a call. Let's talk about it. Um, because those things really come into play, um, you know. Is it still okay to refinance? You know, the interest rates definitely change. Um, and dependent on what you've got in your house will make a big make a big impact on that. Um, so the interest rate right now, like I said just a minute ago, 6.5% is roughly where we're coming in at. Mm -hmm. It sounds pretty scary to most of us millennials, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So this is where for this one, if you're like, okay, the reason that I want to sell my house is because I want to get equity out. Maybe selling is the right choice, but right. maybe refinancing would be better. And the questions to ask yourself, if you're thinking maybe refinancing is for me, is think about what your interest rates are now. Not everybody yeah. refinanced during the last two years. Lots of people did, but not everybody did. So maybe you do have a higher interest rate where you're not having as much sticker shock at that 5.99%. Another question how long do you plan on staying in your house what are your long-term goals if you love your home but you could really use that extra cash it might be worth it to take a little bump in interest but get to stay in your current home yeah so absolutely definitely explore that option before you jump to selling your home and jumping on the for sale bandwagon right okay so kind of moving on um, let's say that you really answered no to the, both of those questions. Um, it's not because of FOMO. It's not because you want equity. It's because you hate your house. <laughs> yeah. That happens. Let's, let's move on to those people. <laughs> um, so, no, you just really want to sell your house. Maybe you want to downsize. Maybe you want to get something bigger. Um, or maybe you just don't need to own a home in this area anymore. Divorce. Divorce. That's divorce another is one. a huge reason people sell. Also, it is divorce season right now. Yes, it is. I just, I feel like everyone I know is getting divorced. I was talking to my friend and her son, like we were talking and someone got brought up that was getting divorced and her 13 year old was like, wow, another one bites the dust. <gasps> I know. Oh my God. How heartbreaking. I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll move on. We'll move on. Anyway, you might need to sell your home. Okay. So yeah. if you need to sell your home, the biggest question is, what are you going to do after you sell that house? Where are you going to live? Do you need to purchase another home? 
or do you not need to purchase another home? Right. So let's start with those people that answered no. They do not need to purchase another home. Okay. Where do I go if I don't purchase a home? Yes. So what is the reason for that? Are you moving to another state? Yeah. Are you, you just decided that you're going to become a renter? Um, are you, LaDonna's shaking her head. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> renters. Just kidding. We love renters. Um, is this your last house? Maybe we're talking to, you know, someone else in a different demographic. Maybe that was your last house and you're moving in with in-laws or something. Or uh, are you going to assisted living, Katie? Uh, you know me. I love assisted living. I sure don't, cannot wait until I get to move into an assisted living home. It's like yes. a sorority. <laughs> That's what you always say. It is. It is like a sorority. I'm, I can't wait. Anyway, um, speaking of, quick little plug for the um, Longview Chamber of Commerce. This, this <laughs> Tuesday, the Longview Chamber of Commerce Business After Hours. Is we are it, taking this super local the, today. <laughs> we are. Is it the Kolsch Community Senior Living Homes? And it is a beautiful facility. I'm checking out my future digs. We will be there. So yes. if you're a Chamber of Commerce member or if you're thinking about joining the Longview Kelso Chamber of Commerce, Check out the business after hours this Tuesday at 5.30. Yes. Hopefully this is live before then. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, so do you need to buy another house? Maybe you're saying no. So you could fall into those camp of people that thought, okay, I'm going to sell high and then I'm going to rent until the market drops. Okay. So I have a client right now that did that. The only problem is that they sold... A little over two years ago when they thought the market was about to crash and they sold their beautiful home in Silver Lake and they have been renting and living in a townhouse in Kelso with four kids and no yard for the last year and a half and now are desperately scrambling to buy something at a higher cost now. I just made a face. <laughs> yes. So there are risks associated with making that decision. There always are. You know, we're talking like the market's going to go down, but I mean, people thought the market was going to go down in 2020. Obviously, it didn't. Right. Um, we never want to speak in absolutes when it comes to that because there are so many unknowns. Um, but there are risks to deciding to rent because do you really want to rent forever? Right. So I'm going to speak to this just a smidgen. Yes, of course. Um, currently... Speak to it more than a smidgen <laughs> if you'd like. Yes. Um, currently, in our housing market, rent is still more expensive than a like home. If I'm moving out of my three-bedroom, 2,000-square-foot home into a three-bedroom, 2,000-square-foot rental, then I am paying significantly more, usually right around $600 more a month for that rental than I am for that purchase, even at six and a half percent interest. And when you think about like your entire goal and financial plan, the interest rate on your rent is a hundred percent. You get nothing out of that. It is going a hundred percent into the homeowner's pocket. Um, and our, our rent the last year went up 9% in our market and our mortgage interest rates did not <laughs> go up 9%. I mean, we right. went from three to six, but mm -hmm. not nine. Um, and but housing so, prices went up quite a bit. But housing prices went up quite a bit. Um, to be fair. To be fair, that is true. Um, but had those same Silver Lakers gone from 
house in Silver Lake to new home in wherever, mm-hmm. um, likely Silver Lake because it's a beautiful area. It is. But <laughs> um, seriously, every time I drive out there, I'm like, oh, if only I could live out here where there's barely any reception. <laughs> uh, you just have to get U.S. Cellular. Yeah, we're going really local with this podcast today. Have U.S. Cellular. You'll be fine. Move to Silver Lake. Actually, no one else moved to Silver Lake. I don't want anyone else to move out there. So never mind. You're not invited. <laughs> You're not invited. No one moved there. Don't worry. I think, actually, my parents are getting ready to purchase a piece of property just to prevent a house going in next to them because they're out the other direction in a very another very beautiful area locally. Um, but... You know, they would have purchased new home, mm-hmm. likely step up home mm-hmm. from their first one, mm-hmm. and then they still would have seen that giant appreciation bump in appreciation that yes. we've seen in the last year and yes, a half yes, versus yes, 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 being yes. in a rental for the last year and a half, mm-hmm. paying all of those fees mm-hmm. and not seeing any return on it. Right, exactly. So. Just a thought. Yes. Just a thought. So, okay, maybe you aren't just one of those rent and sees, you know, wait and sees, but rent and sees. Little thing I just did there. (laughs) Um, Maybe you're not one of those people. Maybe you want to sell your house here and move to another state. Again, totally fine. My piece of advice for you is just please, before you list your house, make it very clear to your realtor this is your plan. Find someone to you know touch base with and to be your professionals out in the state you want to move to and try to take an extended vacation there yeah yeah you i know, mean you one know of that the biggest, you in different states one of the oh yeah um one of the biggest pieces of advice that i got when i was house hunting was you know, you, you go see it during regular business hours generally, but you also want to drive by it in the middle of the night on the weekend. You know, you want to see if your neighbor's kids throw a rager every weekend, because that could be an issue for me. (laughs) Yes. I had a client that, um, we, we went and looked at a house and, I asked him, this is a few months ago when it's like, if you liked a house, you had to write an offer on it basically the same day. Right. So I asked him, hey, do you want to write an offer on this house? And he's like, I need to think about it overnight. I'm like, okay, great. So then I talked to him the next day and he's like, yep, I want to write an offer. I said, great. He said, yeah, I drove over there last night at 2 a.m. and hung out for an hour and it all looked fine. So. I mean, that's dedication. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think anybody to wants think to about know it me overnight. <laughs> he needed to think about it overnight. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. And he purchased the home, living that's in it. That's lovely. But I mean, that, it, loving it. that's the kind of information that tells you, like, there's not, you know, there's not a bunch of teenagers racing up and down my street in the middle of the night. Ugh, those um, teens. <laughs> those, I have a teenager, so I'm trying teens. not to hate them as much as I used to, but boy, teenagers. I'm just kidding. I actually um, love teenagers. <laughs> I love all I children. Just, you know, I really love all kids. Teenagers are just not known for their wise choices. Mm, true. Um, but, you know, if they're if there are people racing up and down your street, because grown people do that too, in the middle of the night, that might be a problem for you. Yes. If you're so, trying to record a podcast in the middle of the night and people are just zooming past all the time, it'd be an obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to have that problem anyway. <laughs> Not us. (laughs) Okay, so that's just a little tidbit if you want to move to another state. But okay, let's say that you don't have FOMO. You're not worried particularly, like you're not making the decision solely based on pulling your equity out, but 
you do need to purchase a new home after you sell this one. Great. Totally fine. We can help you. We just want you to understand what the process is going to be like. So quickly, before anything else, make sure you talk to a lender and get pre-approved before you do anything with your current home. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, uh, depending on where your debt to income ratio is really makes a big difference on whether or not you qualify for or what kind of house you qualify for. Your credit can be significantly different from the day that I purchased to the day that I'm selling. Hopefully it's two years so you can miss out on that excise tax. And um, and you can you know, not, not get hit with those things. Um, but you want to make sure that you get pre-approved because there are so many questions that go into it. And that creates a whole nother line of thought. Well, and I've heard horror stories about people that sell their home and then then they go to purchase and they aren't pre-approved for anything. Like you said, maybe yeah. they switched careers from the time that they purchased their last house till now and didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, and it's something that you should be having many conversations about. And if you are even thinking that you might need to purchase a house after selling the one that you're in, make sure that you are pre-approved to buy what you are looking for. Yes. Okay, so now you're like, yeah, I still want to sell my house after all that. That is great. And we're just going to talk about some of the pros and cons to listing now. And I would say the biggest thing is to manage your expectations. Yeah. Um, have accurate expectations because you hear so many things in the media about, you know, things selling for astronomical amounts, things selling in two days. Those were all true, but um, things change every day in the market, really. And you need to make sure that you are going in with a clear head and understanding what you're getting yourself into. The buying side is fun. The selling side is stressful. I mean, both sides can be stressful, but the selling side, oh my goodness, much more stressful. Um, Gone are the days where you didn't have to do a single thing to your house to sell it. You know, you're not going to be able to leave a big pile of mail stacked up on your, you know, table when you take your listing photos and moving boxes shoved in the corner and your kids' toys out in the living room floor and have the listing photos done by your friend on their iPhone. Um, You're going to have to step it up a little bit. Yes. Which is fine. And honestly, it's time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's time for that. So let's let's get things professionally done. You know, want to make sure your house is clean. We've talked about that many times. Clutter-free if you can. Um, and also, you know, maybe you want to sell your house, but there are, there are good things and bad things about selling in different times, different seasons. So summer, summer is traditionally when more houses come on the market. There are more buyers around, but also there's more supply. Mm-hmm. So sometimes house prices do take a little bit of a bump in the fall and winter. Um, with everything that's going on in the market, a lot of people don't want to wait to see what's going to happen. But I just wanted to point that out because we may see another bump in prices, um, you know, in the fall when there's less things on the market. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a- another thing, I'm just going to touch on it really quickly. Should you list with an agent? I say yes. I say yes, uh, mostly because I am I am down with outsourcing the stress. Yes. <laughs> um, but also, you know, I work every single day with real estate agents, and there are so many things that you guys do that I don't understand at all. The forms, the filing. I was sitting in your office listening to a different real estate agent the other day talk about how when she listed her very first house for sale, she, you know, kind of bumbled it up a little bit because she 
you know, didn't know that she had to fill out this form. And it's like, I haven't been through the classes. I haven't gone through anything. I don't know what forms need to be filled out. Well, and that's the thing. There's so many forms and people think like, oh, I'm going to sell it myself. But then a lot of the times they do think like my lender can help me. Mm-hmm. And no, I cannot don't know how to fill out fill out realtor forms for the most part. Nope. Um, also, another thing, I just did a video about this on my social medias, mm-hmm. but kind of why to use a realtor. And a big thing is because the price is not the only thing that is that is being relayed in the contract. There are so many other things than just the price. There can be three offers with the identical price and they can be so different. And there are red flags that I can see from a mile away that as a non-realtor, you probably wouldn't even notice. Also, most of the time, because buyers, agents, you know, are not usually paid by the buyers, most buyers want to have an agent. And so even if you're selling it yourself, they'll probably ask you to um, pay their realtor. So you're still potentially paying half of the realtor fees, but now they're being represented and you're not. Yeah. Sounds like Um, an unfair fight. It is an unfair fight. And I've done it before where, um, you know, the seller was unrepresented and I was representing my buyer and I, I was nothing but professional, but there were certain things that the seller agreed to that were, you know, completely within their right. But another realtor would have definitely asked them to take pause. Um, because you know, you want to make sure that all of the terms of the contract work in your favor and are favorable to you. And if you don't know how to read those contracts, um, you don't know if all of the terms are right for you. Right. It kind of goes back to like last, last week we used the analogy of, I take my kids to see a pediatrician because the pediatrician is trained and has been to school and all the things to become knowledgeable in all of the things that my kids throw at them. Um, And Katie and I are trained in our specific fields and experienced in those fields enough to see red flags and understand things and read those contracts and and handle the things that buyers and sellers throw at us. Yeah, exactly. So just wanted to, to you know, take a little point on that. And honestly, you get more money when you sell with a realtor. And one of the reasons is because we can help you price the house appropriately. So um, I think we touched on this a little bit last week, but... In the last, you know, year or two, you could price your house high and you could, you know, do some price cuts. And once you got down to the appropriate price, your house would be gone. Pricing your hi- your house correctly is much more important the first time now. Um, you don't want to have to wait the two weeks to do a price drop because then you're behind in what, you know, the houses are currently going for. You want to make sure you're priced right the very first time and realtors can help you with that. Um, and yeah, so, so, okay, you're, you're selling your house, you need to buy another Mm -hmm. house. So that means that you are going to be purchasing, um, with a contingency and the contingency is that your purchase is contingent on you selling your home. Right. So like LaDonna read an article last week that said, what was it? Contingencies are back. Contingencies are back. That was basically it. I mean, it was hello contingency. Yeah, was something I think that like, the was market it. is shifting. Hello contingency. Yes, love it was a, a good contingency. Article. But so I'm going to quickly go over the different ways that you can write a contingent offer and kind of the pros and cons to both because that's exactly what you're doing if you're buying and selling at the same time. So okay, you need to sell your house in order to buy this house. Um, do you list your house first? Do you start making offers and get an offer accepted on a house first? Like, which one do you think is the better way to go about it? 
May I ask? I and don't think, look at the notes. I'm, I'm not looking at the notes. <laughs> um, I haven't scrolled down that far. <laughs> I think that um, my being prepared to sell but not quite listed and making offers on houses is where I would want to start. You are exactly right. Probably because I'm in the business. <laughs> Probably because you're in the business. But let's just go over a few of the different options. So let's say that you want to list your house first. The pros of listing your house first is that you can write a stronger offer. So if you have your house already listed, and let's say that you have listed your house and you've accepted an offer on your house, then when you go to write offers on other houses, your offer is going to be much stronger. Yes. Um, but the problem is that, you know, that's kind of the route everyone was going when it was this crazy seller's market because the sellers could ask for really anything of their buyers and their buyers were going to say yes. So if you wanted to sell your house and you needed to purchase one in the meantime, you could ask for a 60-day closing. You could even ask for a 90-day closing. You could say, hey, I want to close in 30 days, but I want you to let me live in this house for free for another 30 days after that or another 60 days after that. I want you to allow me the time to find something else. Rent back. Exactly. 30-day rent back. Free rent backs usually. So Seriously? Um, oh, yeah. Most of them are free. Um, anyway. So the sellers were in control, so it was easy to, to list your house first, and you could really just ask the world of the buyer, ask them for all the time in the world to find a new house, and they were saying yes. Um, but it is much riskier because if you are a buyer, you can back out of a contract. If you are a seller, there's really no good way for you to back out of a contract. Something has to go wrong for you to back out, like mm -hmm. we've talked about in previous podcasts. So if you list your house first and you get under contract first, if you are not finding a house, you're SOL. Yeah, you could potentially end up in that rent for a year and a half situation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So be very careful with that one. But on the flip side, let's say that you're offering first. Living in your house, your house is not listed, you're writing offers first. You're like, I'm not even going to start thinking about listing my house until I get an offer accepted. You're going to be writing really weak offers. You're going to be writing a lot of offers. You're probably going to be getting denied fairly often because those are pretty weak. The listing agent wants to see that you've at least put some effort into getting your house ready to list. So none of these almost were getting accepted last year. It was very hard to get an offer like this accepted last year. Um, it's a little bit, you know, there's more of a possibility now. But yeah, can I speak to that real quick? Yeah. So one of the things that you can do and that we're seeing a lot more of this is that, um, you know, mortgage companies are partnering with other companies like Revive that is kind of a holding company and they'll come in and they'll purchase your new home for cash because you've pre-approved to buy that $500,000 home and they'll and you can move into your new home and then they'll come in and stage your your previous home and your listing agent can continue to sell it but now you're likely to get more out of it and in fact actually they see like 15% more out of it because nobody is living there there's no smell of dog left there's you know there's all this staged smell of furniture. dog kills so many oh. um, I'm gonna tell you I'm like I'm one of those people that's really sensitive to smells and in moving around with the military I would walk into rentals and be like, nope, <laughs> like two feet in the door, cannot live here. Yeah. Um, because that smell is so strong to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, um, it, you know, just 
partnering with companies like that can definitely boost your contingent offer and and you're not a contingent anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also a lot of mortgage companies like mine is starting to do things like a fully underwritten um, pre-approval, mm-hmm. which means that when that letter goes out to your um, selling agent, they see that you're coming in like cash because there are no surprises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So there are definitely ways to get creative with it. Um, like LaDonna said, there are lending institutions as as in her own. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, my, um, my lending institution does do both of those programs. Yes. So um, they can get creative for you to kind of like bridge that gap between the two. Um But if you're not doing something like that, another thing that you have to think about is the fact that if you're writing a contingent offer, until an offer gets accepted on your house, you can get bumped out of your contract. Yes. So another buyer can come in that is not contingent and they can make an offer and the seller can actually bump you out if your house is not under contract. Yes. So, um, you know, you you don't want that to happen. <laughs> no, because, okay, so I'm one of those people that, like, I get fully invested pretty fast. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time I've made an offer on a house, I have basically laid Decided out. Decided where all your furniture goes. I, I know exactly where my furniture yes. is going. Yes. I have probably purchased a new piece of furniture to fit whatever, you know. Yes. The house that I'm currently in, we were under contract, and I purchased a new dining room table. Mm-hmm. Because I finally had a dining room that was going to be big enough for that 12-person table that I wanted because when my family gets together we come in at a cool 16 so 12 really doesn't quite match up to but what on we that need. note please make sure that you do not finance that furniture yes do not can, finance that you mess up your debt to income ratio and then you can lose the house yes 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 do not make use, purchases use the cash for that one <laughs> but yeah use the cash use the mattress cash that you don't tell your lender about because for that the, can for the be new, counted for anyway. the new table yes yes I definitely exactly. use some of the mattress cash but yes you do not want to get bumped out and then also, you know, it is a stressful situation because you're like, okay, I'm under contract and I put my house on the market after the fact and I'm not getting any showings and I'm not getting any, you know, no one's making any offers and I might have to reduce the price and now maybe I'm not quite as as good on the right. offer that I made. So um, you can back out, but it still doesn't feel very good. And yeah. you may lose your earnest money. So... Um, not a good situation to be in. So LaDonna is exactly right where my advice is to get your listing photos done, get all your paperwork done with your realtor, get every single duck in a row so that when you are writing offers, your agent can say to the other agent, we are ready to pull the trigger tomorrow. We can list tomorrow. We will be on the market. We've priced it appropriately. Here's all the comps that I ran. Here's all the info that I have on the house and what I think it's going to sell for. We are ready to go. And that's going to inspire confidence in the seller of the home that you want to purchase so that you can get that contingent deal done. Yes. And you can sell your house and you don't have to miss out. And And you can get some equity and put it towards a new house and live happily ever after. Yes. And having that fully underwritten pre-approval makes such a huge difference. Difference as well. Yes, absolutely. Because so not fully underwritten pre-approvals, you can still come in with a ton of of contingencies, mm-hmm. and contingencies on a loan means that potentially this loan doesn't go through because right. we haven't verified whatever it is. Um, when you're fully underwritten, and and those pre-approvals do take a little bit more time because they have to touch more than one desk. Mm-hmm. But when they go out to real estate agents, they uh, they come in much stronger because that real estate agent understands that 
my buyer does not have any surprises. The only surprises we're going to get is out of this house. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, hopefully that selling agent knows all the surprises that are in that house. (laughs) (laughs) But really, yeah, that just kind of lends to the fact that um, in these markets, whether, you know, buyer's market, seller's market, whatever, you just really want to make sure that you're doing as much groundwork as you can before the fact. Yes. And being really ready going into whatever situation you're going into so that there aren't as many surprises and um, you, you end up happy in the end. Yes. So I hope that after listening to this episode, maybe if you've been on the fence about whether or not you should, you know, sell your home, you have a little bit more clarity. Yes. And if you do have any more questions or if you do want to explore selling your home, um, we would love to help you with that. So yes. feel free to reach out. You can email us at notyourmothershousingmarket at gmail.com. Um, you can reach out on our socials. I'm at Katie Keaton everywhere. So hello and goodbye. Yeah, I'm at LaDonna Page everywhere. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, you know, you can always... You can Google both of us, really, at this point and find us places. Yeah, but we would love to talk to you, and we hope that this episode helped you. Um, As far as all of you maybe first-time buyers out there or people that this wasn't quite the episode for you, do not worry because we have things in store for you as well. We have a lot of fun stuff planned, and we cannot wait to touch base with you next week. Yes. So with that, this was Not Your Mother's Housing Market. Um, You can find us at CalitzPodcast.com. You can find us and we link our podcasts everywhere, including Not Your Mother's Housing Market on Facebook and on Instagram. And we will talk to you next week.